right. Um, go ahead and uh, open up. We're going to start off in John 13, 34 through 35, and then we'll, we'll start there, and then we'll end in uh, 1 John chapter 4. So go ahead, follow along with me. So John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciple, if you have love for one another. Let's go ahead and pray before we jump in. Um, dear God, we, uh, um, we, sang, we sang about your love. Uh, we remember your love. Um, we come here to dig further into your love for us, and um, may we be um, just blown away by the, the truth that that you would love us and that you would die for us while we are yet sinners. Um, just be with us in this time. Enlighten our eyes. Open our hearts. May our spirit be sensitive to your word. In, in your name, amen. So love. Um, before I jump in, I have to say, every time I preach, I get approached. I'm like, I'm excited, um, thankful for the opportunity. And then I get to the night before, and I'm like, why did I do this? Like, <laughs> I, I could have said no. Why didn't I say no? And I, I second guess, like, everything. Um, it happens the night before I preach every single time. So here I am. I made it, um, did the work, and I trust that you guys will benefit from it. Um, so love. When you hear the word love, um, empty your minds right now. When you hear love, what, what comes to your mind? Um, you think of flowers. You think of red hearts. Do you think of someone, something, a relationship, Valentine's Day? your family, hugs. Um, there's a lot of warm, fuzzy things. You think of sports, your love for a team, your passion. Um, so when you hear love, you're kind of like, it's cool to love. We love to love. We're creatures made to love. So it's kind of a, 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 good, a good feeling, love is. Um, so now, what if I asked you, if we kind of change the question a little bit, what if I asked you to remember a time when, when someone showed love to you? So think about um, when someone loved you, what, what does that look like now? Um, it's, it's a little bit deeper. When someone loved you or you, you witness an act of love or, or you do something to love your spouse, it, it usually is kind of like, yeah, to like, it, it's, love usually is going to come at a cost. Like you, you gave up your time. I, I did this for you. I sacrificed this for you. I bought this for you. I gave up something for you to show you how much I love you. That, that goes much deeper than just like hugs and kisses, you know, red hearts, you know. You acting in love for someone else, it usually involves sacrifice. So, so how are these two thoughts different? Like one's warm and fuzzy, one is like, great, you know, it's no cost to me, um, it's easy, it's easy to send you a card, it's easy to hug. When someone else loves you or you love someone else, it's, it's a little bit deeper. Um, so if you've ever had, have any of you guys ever had maple syrup? 
like that cheap 99 cent maple syrup. You get your pancakes, you eat it, and you're like, as a kid, you're like, I love syrup. Syrup is great. Give me that maple syrup. And then when you get older, you realize there's, that's not real maple syrup. And there's maple syrup comes from a tree. And you eat that, and you're like, I can't believe I ever ate that other stuff. So what's the difference between the two? Why, why is one so great? Apart from one being like eight times more expensive than the other, why is maple syrup from a tree so much better than maple syrup from a corn sock? Why is it, it's, it's good to experience the real thing. When you've had maple syrup as a kid and you're eating it, I make a joke because the first ingredient, maple syrup is corn syrup, and then probably the second ingredient is probably like corn powder or something. So, um, <laughs> so maple syrup from a tree, like why is that so much better? So when, when someone offers you maple syrup, you're thinking of the real thing. You're, you don't want, you know, you don't think of like, oh, give me that 99 cent corn syrup that's, that's made to look like maple syrup. You want the real thing. The real thing is so much better to you. So love can be the same way. You know, when we talk about love, I love, my, I love Iowa State. I love my sports team. You know, I, I love, um, you know, I love you guys. Like, we celebrate Valentine's Day. It can be a great thing, but, but it can go deeper. You know, when we talk about that in comparison to Christ's love for us, it can be much like that. You're thinking of the maple syrup, and then you discover there's something better. There's something deeper. There's something truer, you know, and I only want that. And I'll pay for it. I don't want this cheap stuff. I want true love. So today, Christ commands us, love each other as I have loved you. So it's, it's not just love like, you know, I love you. I love you on Sunday. You know, let me give you a ride. Let me, let me do something. But it's, it's, it's love that, that should be deeper. You know, our love should be based on what Christ did. That's why he specifically states, Love each other as I have loved you. He doesn't just stop there. Love each other. Great. That sounds good. I like that. I like that we're just supposed to love each other. Oh, as I have loved you. He, he goes one, one step further, and then you're like, okay, that's a good slogan. You know, I, I like that we should love each other like Christ loved us. But then when you think further, you think, how did Christ love us? Okay, well, that seems hard. You know, he died for us. You know, I don't, I don't like that part. You know, like love, love comes at a cost. There's a cost to it. It's, it's sacrifice. It's difficult. Um, I got into my sermon, and if you ever want to be humbled, ask Dan to preach a sermon, and then two weeks before you have to preach, ask your wife. Talk about it with your wife, and you will be humbled. I, I was humbled because I came up with some new application points for myself after that discussion of just love is hard love doesn't come natural for me like it, it, it's it's hard for me to love love more of i want to take care for you i i want to sacrifice my time to do what's best for you that that is really hard and that's why jesus says this he commands us to love each other as christ loved us so we want to start in john 13 34 and 35 we hear the command, Christ calls us to love each other as he loved us. By, by this love, 
the world is going to see us and know that we are Christ's disciples. So this, this love that Christ has done upon us, we do to our brothers and our sisters, essentially everyone, and the unbelieving world will have no other conclusion but to look at that and say, huh, you're weird. You, you must be a Christ follower. You, there is something different about you. You know, if they don't, if they just look at you and you're like, yeah, you are like everyone else. Like, how, how could we conclude based on what Jesus is saying that they would look at us and say, you must be a Christian. I've seen, I've seen the way you sacrificially give. You sacrificially give time to your brothers, to people around us. When you don't have to, but you do. That is the type of love that Christ is calling to us. So the big idea for this passage and for John 4 and the sermon today, the big idea is disciples of Jesus Christ are characterized by their love for one another. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Disciples of Jesus Christ are characterized by their love for one another. It's not just a nice slogan. It, it's essentially Christ is calling us to die, die to ourselves. Probably one of the most difficult tasks to do in Christianity because we want to do the opposite. I want you to die to yourself and serve me. you know, Or I'll love you, but only if it doesn't cost me anything. you know. It's easy to, to talk, to, yeah, I'll be there for you, but then if you never show up, what does it matter? you know? As followers of Jesus Christ, we are commanded to do more than that. But love is Christ's love. Unbelievers will not learn about Christianity by watching movies. So, you know, they're, they're not going to watch the Christian movies. They're not going to listen to the Christian music. Maybe they won't even walk through these doors. They're going to learn about Christianity by watching you guys, by watching where every single one of you is strategically placed at. By God, they learn about Christianity by watching you. The pluses and the minuses. We see it all the time on Facebook. Oftentimes you learn about Christianity as a Christian on Facebook, too, and how sharp that message can be. Unbelievers are reading the exact same things. I hear it at my work. Um, I hear a shooting happened. Christians go to social media. I come into work the next day. I hear my unbelieving coworkers talking about that and projecting what they, they think about that. And I hear that. I, it, 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 it is so frustrating, you know, as a believer, Christians are watching us. So Christ says, they will know whose disciple you are by if you love one another, if you die to yourself. We're called to go out in our compelling weirdness. I stole that from last week. So if you want to go back and listen to that sermon, go ahead. Um, we're called to go out in our compelling weirdness Love others in such a way that it is so evident that we follow Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Think about, think about where you work. Think about your home. Your kids are watching you too. We are, everyone is watching. So we are called out as disciples of Jesus Christ to go out and in our compelling weirdness, love others in such a way that it is so evident we follow Jesus Christ. Nike has a slogan. Just do it. Chevy has the slogan, find new roads. Dr. Pepper, this one's kind of ironic. Dr. Pepper has a slogan, what's the worst that could happen? I find that ironic. <laughs> L'Oreal has one, because you're worth it. 
Energizer, it keeps going and going and going. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Jesus Christ, love God, love others as I have loved you. That's his call to us as his disciples. So again, if you're taking notes, here's the big idea again. Disciples of Jesus Christ are characterized by their love for one another. So now transitioning from the command, the call of Jesus Christ to us as disciples, let's go over to 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who has been born, anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest, that he sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So what's the problem? The command is obvious. Love one another. What's the problem? What's the problem that John is addressing, that Christ is addressing here? The problem is we don't have a how problem. We have a heart problem. So if you want to write that down, the problem is we don't have a how problem, we have a heart problem. So no one has ever approached me or probably approached Dan or is like, I really want to love, I just don't know how. Well, we don't need to know how. Obvious. We have a heart problem. We just have to do it. You know, there's, John doesn't list out these steps where, you know, one, two, three, four, five, here's how you love your neighbor. Because we would look at that and be like, great. Those are the only things I ever got to do, ever. Thanks, John. He doesn't say that. So before, before we dive further into this, we need, to do, we need to step back and do one thing. We need to define what is love. We thought about love in the beginning um, from a human point of view. Um, you think about love, we, we see uh, types of it, pictures of God's love for us out in the church where we, we sacrificially give, we sacrifice our time for each other. But let's define love from God's point of view. And we sang of it today. So John says God is love. Not God loved us. God has love. He is love. He's the essence of love. God created love. He is love. So John always makes a statement, and then he clarifies it by telling us what God did. So he states, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever has been born of God and knows God, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And pay attention to these words that he keeps using. He'll use one another a lot. He uses love a lot. He uses in this, by this. He's making a point. He makes a statement, and then he goes and he clarifies it. So God is love. Well, how is he love? In this, the love of God was made manifest to us. He sent his only son to die for us so that we might live through him. That sounds great. Don't let those words just kind of like fall over you. It's, we hear someone like, that's great. That person donated $100. That is phenomenal. I'm blown away by that. 
before. J.J. Watt, there was, um, I know there was an accident that happened recently. J.J. Watt paid for all the funerals. Like, wow, that's so great. But when we hear God sent his son to die for you, cool. What, that, that should, every time we should hear that, think about that. There's a lot of boys in our church. There's a lot of sons. Would you give your son to die? Like that? That's crazy love. But God did that for us. God sent his son to die for us. He is love. The creator of the world sent his son to die for you. We read it today in our assurance. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, and it is very true, we wouldn't even die for anyone. May, may be a good person, but I doubt it. But God, the maker of the world, sent his son, and Jesus died for us. John chapter 3 says, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And the Bible says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he went beyond even that. So God is love. He talks again about whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There's a, think of that as capital K-N-O-W, knows God, knows God as love. Study, research, talk about it, know God. God is love. Don't let that just passively flow over you. John 3.16, God sent his son. No, know God. God is love. You have been born of God. Know God. God gave everything. And that is why he can say, I am love. So, so let's stop and zoom back for a little bit. Picture, picture, there's darkness. God creates the world. God makes the world. People are on it. Man falls. Man sins. He sets in motion this rescue plan to save his people. We're talking about the creator of the world. Setting in motion a rescue plan to save us. To lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. So again, we're defining love. So that when Christ says to us, love each other as I have loved you, we can, we can look at that and say, well, how did Christ love me? And it's not just this one-way relationship between us and Christ. God loves us. We love Christ by loving others. That is how we show our love to Christ, by how we love each other. How we love our church. How we love our coworkers, our kids. Everything. So then we will move on to the next point. God's love displayed. So God defines. He is love. What has he done for us? Look at the parables. Time after time and time again, God has loved us. So now that God has loved us, what are we supposed to do with that? What do we do with that? How do we handle this passage? What do you, what do you want from me, John? So now God's love is displayed through us to the body, to the church, through acts of love and kindness and sacrifice, even as Jesus did. As I was studying this passage, um, I was a little bit like, man, John, like, help a brother out. Tell me how to love. He, he goes into such great detail about what God did for us. 
you know, he, sat, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins so that we might live through him. He, he goes through all this detail and he ends up by, go love people. And you're like, oh, that's real general. Like, why are you so general? Like, I, how do I do it? Do you really just want me to embrace love as God has loved me and just go bring that to everyone else? Yes. Like, there's no lists. There's no how-tos. It's just go love one another as I have loved you. So the source of our love must come from Christ's love for us. If we don't know Christ's love for us, how can we love other people? How can we truly look at what God did and be like, yeah, I'm a good person. Like, I would save me. Like, what? How would you then take that love and show it to someone else? But, but, if you are the chiefest of sinners, and God died for you while you were yet a sinner, and you know that, and you understand that, what sort of love are you compelled to then take out to your neighbor, to your church, to your coworkers? Does that, does that compel you to win the argument? That's what I struggle with. I struggle with being right. So, so loving, loving my coworkers by, you know, being humble, you know, letting them win the argument. I don't have to prove them right. They'll see the acts of love that we have for each other. The other thing is, with John being so general, um, it's our duty to love. We don't like the D word. We don't like duty. But it, it is our duty. God commands us to love. He doesn't say, if you would like to love, please love. I have this, I have this joke with our fantasy football league where I say, I don't ask them, I tell them. Because sometimes when I ask them, it's just chaos. Like everyone wants to like put in their own opinion. And I'm like, no, just this is what we're doing. You have to do it. And it just goes over, it goes over great <laughs> from my point of view. So love is the same way. God commands us love. We, we don't have an option. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we are commanded to love one another. There's no, I'm busy, I can't, it's family time, Ugh, I don't have the money to do it, I'm sorry, I just can't do it, like, this person's a jerk and I don't like them. Like, we are commanded to go out and love one another. As we're going through our... Uh, hospitality study the thought occurred to me I was like how come God doesn't give us Christian neighbors like why don't we have nice neighbors like why do we have neighbors that party at night and vacuum at like 10 o'clock at night like why did you put us here and not put us where we're like we have the best neighbors in the world they make us happy and we love them and we never talk to them but it's like and, and maybe like I mean in our community group I'm sure it's a small picture of how everyone else is. Everyone probably has that neighbor where you're like, why did we? Why did they have to live right here? Why? Why are they right by us? You know, love is not easy, but we're commanded to love them. You know, doesn't matter if they're nice. Doesn't matter if they're a jerk. Doesn't matter if they're atheist or Catholic or have 50 kids or don't have any kids or whatever. There, there is no option of opting out. You're commanded to love. 
So I wanted to tell this story. Um, it, it really, it really made an impact on me when it first transpired. There's a, I asked Pete for permission to tell it because I always remember it. Um, there was a man not too long ago who approached me at a store and was asking for help. And and Pete helped him. Like, I mean, if you're if like us, you're like, oh yeah, I know Pete. Of course he would. Like, Pete always does stuff like that. But through our community group, I, I've learned more details of that story that leave me like, wow, love is hard. Like, like Pete helped this guy out. I know he, I think he spent like over $1,000, probably more than that when you consider time. He lost work over this because he was helping this guy, Jonathan. And I'm pretty sure Autumn and Lincoln were not born yet, right? Autumn was. So you had one less kid. So you had like, you had like 49 kids still, you know. So, but, but it's hard. You're like, if you were looking at anyone who's helping someone else, you'd be like, that'd be, you have a reason not to help. You're busy. You need work. You've got a lot of kids. Money's probably tight. Come on. But then I remember watching Pete go through this. And last week, we talked about this compelling weirdness where if you love one another, people will think you're weird. That doesn't just go from unbelievers looking at believers. It also goes from believers looking at believers because I remember watching Pete during this and just being like, man, like, I remember wrestling with myself and just like, I know we're commanded to love, but like, at what point is that stupid? Because you're watching this and, and you're trying to wrap your mind around this example of sacrificially loving. You know, and, and I've always remembered that. I've always remembered that story and like what a great example that is. And if you have any more details, go talk to Pete and he'll tell you. Um, but it's not, it can't just be an example. It can't just stop there. We have to do it as well. You know, it's hard. This is not warm and fuzzy love. When you hear love, you know, and you think about the Bible, it's not just 1 Corinthians 13 that's always read at a wedding where you're like, love is kind, love is patient. Like, love is hard. Love is a call for you to die to yourself and sacrificially love the world, love each other as Christ loved you. It's not easy. So transitioning to application, um, I want to I wanna break it up in two parts. So we've, we've defined what God's love is. We, we see God's love displayed. We're commanded. It is our duty to go out to love one another. We have a problem, though. We don't want to love. Or it's hard. Or we set limits on our love. Or, you know. I can only help once per. I can only love once per week, and I've already used up my quota. Sorry, you know, we're commanded to love regardless, because the world is watching us, and they will know one way or the other whether you are a disciple of Christ or they you're just like everyone else. So I want to give you. I want to give you guys some tips. How not to love each other. So I didn't know how else to phrase this. I called it anti-application. How not to love each other. Wait for someone else. Have you ever had, like, you sat in a meeting room and someone's like, I need a volunteer. And everyone's just like, 
I hope someone else raises their hand because I really don't want to do this. Wait for someone else to love someone else. Don't pray for other people. Keep it to yourself. Don't pray for others. Don't teach your kids how to pray for others. Always say yes when someone asks you for help. You might be like, well, that doesn't sound right. If your kid came to you and they were like, Daddy, Harrison says this. We're like, what do you want for breakfast? I want chips for breakfast. And they're like, no. But imagine if he came to you and was like, I want chips. Okay, have some chips. Now I want chocolate. Okay, I'm giving you what you want. Always say yes to other people. To help them out. To love them. Do everything they that they ask. Don't disciple other people. Just do it on your own. Do it solo. Just love other people by yourself. Don't tell anyone. Don't help anyone. Just keep it quiet. Make excuses. I'm busy. I can't, I can't do that. That costs time. It costs money. I have work. And I forgot. I forgot to show up and help out. Make excuses. And finally, love in word and in talk, but not in action. Talk good on Sunday, but don't do it Monday through Saturday. So I call that anti-application. So now we'll move on to the real application. How do we love others? If it's a struggle, how do we help each other do it? Admit it. Admit you don't love people. I had to do that to my wife. It's hard. It's, it is hard to love people. And it's especially hard to hear your wife say, Paul, sometimes you're not real lovely. And you're just like, mmm. You're like, I know I'm writing this sermon, but I don't need to hear that from you. You know, admit it. It's humbling. But once we admit it, we can go from there. We can help each other. Don't wait for opportunities. Look for them. Get uncomfortable. Embrace the awkward. It's weird to say hi to your neighbors. It's weird to like go above and beyond for your coworker or do something for them. Like it, it can just be awkward. It can be awkward meeting new people. Someone comes in. It can be awkward taking someone out to dinner that you never met. But embrace it. It's only we're all weird anyway, so just embrace the awkwardness and go with it. Don't wait for opportunities. Decide that you won't decide. Love must be our outflow all the time. John commands us. He writes the words, you must love other people as God has loved you. If God has loved you in this way, love your brothers and sisters. Decide you won't decide. Take away the decision. When you see an opportunity, you must have already predetermined that you are going to take it. Don't sit there like a deer in the headlights and then the opportunity just passes you by. You must today determine, I'm going to do it. If a new person walks in today, I'm going to meet them. I'm not going to be like, oh, there's a good opportunity. I, oh, I missed that one. Shoot, like, take it. Take the decision out from it. Just do it. Love must be our outflow, not just on Sunday. It's not we just decide to love on Sunday when we're with each other, when we're we're all like warm and fuzzy and talking about our work week. It must be Monday through Saturday. 
Jesus didn't, when he was washing the disciples' feet, he wasn't like, whoa, whoa, whoa. is this Sunday? No. Okay, I'm not washing your feet. That's, your feet stink. It must be an outflow from us that, that embodies who we are so that when it flows out of us, there is no decision. I must love. I will love you. Because God loved me. And that's all the time. It's when we walk through those doors, we leave to go home, we enter our workplace, we, we go home, we teach our kids to love. We must love. It must be an outflow of our life. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard. It's going to seem fake when you just switch it on. Like, you know, oh, look, here's an opportunity. I'll just flip on the switch. I'll love them. I'm tired. I'm done. It, it must always be 24-7. We see Christ's example for us through the Gospels, through the Bible. Love must be an outflow from our church into our community, into our home, into our workplaces. And we're not alone in this. Remember this. You are not alone in this journey. We have each other. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us, going before us, in our conversations, in our acts of love, reaching lives. It's not just you working alone. So remember that, because we often forget that. I often forget that. My wife had to remind me of that. And it's just like, yeah, God dwells inside of us. God goes before us. So when you're having that, that maybe that conversation with your coworker, trying to show love, when you're, when you're here setting up chairs and no one is here, the Holy Spirit is here with you in these acts of selfless love, going before you, reaching out, reaching the hearts of people. You're not alone in this. 1 John 3.18 says, Let us love in deed and in truth. So don't just be hearers, be doers. You don't know how to do that? Dan preached a sermon a few weeks ago. Go listen to that one and then read your Bible again. Love in deed, love in truth. Don't just be talk. Unbelievers, my coworkers can see when I'm just talking. Like Everyone just talks. Very few people go out and follow through sacrificially in love. It's, it's hard to do. So that's the application, anti-application application. So in conclusion, I want to take you to this it's a song I really like. It's written by the Black Eyed Peas. If you've ever heard of them. They're great philosophers, secular philosophers. So in 2003, they wrote a hit song called Where is the Love? <laughs> Lauren was like, I don't know if anyone in that room is going to have heard of that song. <laughs> I was like, oh, I hope so. So we'll see. So, some, so listen to the words. I'll read some of the little bits of this song. Um, people killing, people dying. Children hurt and you hear them crying. Will you practice what you preach? Will you turn the other cheek? Father, Father, help us. We need some guidance from above. These people got me questioning, where is the love? I feel the weight of the world on my shoulder. As I'm getting older, you people get colder. Most of us only care about money making. Selfishness, God's following the wrong direction. Wrong information always shown on the media. Negative images is the main criteria. Infecting the young minds faster than bacteria. Kids want to act like what they see in the cinema. 
Whatever happened to the values of humanity? Whatever happened to the fairness and equality? Instead of spreading love, we're spreading animosity. Lack of understanding leading us away from unity. Pay attention to this part. The truth is kept secret. It's swept under the rug. If you've never known truth, you've never known love. If you've never known truth, you've never known love. This is written by a secular artist. To my knowledge, they're not Christians. Asking themselves, asking the world, the same question everybody is asking. Where is the love? Where is it? This world is broken. Where is the love? Michael Ramson from Rabbi Zacharias Ministry says this. The song by the Black Eyed Peas is a long, moral complaint against the society in which we live. Yet sadly, it never progresses beyond its complaint, and so it never finds the answer to the question it asks. Interestingly, interestingly, in 2016, the band reunited to sing the song again, and after many requests for it since the tragic events in Paris and Turkey, one Facebook post soberly reads, 13 years later, the Black Eyed Peas and the rest of the world are still asking, where is the love? If you were a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know the truth. And you know where the love is. You are the love that is supposed to go out. Does the love of God flow from you out to those around you, in your family, your church, your coworkers? We know the truth. The world is asking, where is the love? If you've never known truth, you've never known love. Or is our love hidden? Is it contained in these walls on Sundays? Is it contained within your home? Or does it go out? Does God's love go out to this dying world, hungry and thirsty for love? True love. Or do we just not care? So I want to give you this definition of apathetic. So listen to this definition and listen to the antonym. The definition of apathetic. Uninterested, indifferent, unconcerned, unmoved, uninvolved, disinterested, unemotional, motionless, dispassionate, lukewarm, unmotivated, half-hearted. I love this one. The informal definition. I couldn't care less. So the antonym of apathetic. Sympathetic. Feeling. Concerned. Caring. Responsive. Compassionate. Interested. Sensitive. Pitying. Consoling. Comforting. Kind. Tender-hearted. Sounds like someone I read about in the Bible. Jesus showing his love for us. The same love that we're to model and go out as his disciples. So in closing, 1 John 4, 19-21 says this. We love 
because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's close in prayer. God, we are humbled to think about your love for us. It's impossible for us to go out and just love one another, love the unlovely, love the lovely, apart from you. So help us. You've placed us strategically around Wisconsin, the world, so that we might love others. We might be the only Christian that that other person has ever met. But you sent us to love them. May that be our cry, our rallying cry out when we leave. If you loved us in this way, we must love one another. 